Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Only Alchemy podcast. Today, I am talking to a very special guest, Bianca. Um, She's the host of the Dear Bianca podcast, and I will be going on her podcast later this year. But today, um, today we're going to be talking all about Bianca's story and, you know, what it was like for her coming out as gay and how that changed her um, relationship with her parents, you know, her coming out story with her parents, um, owning her sexuality, really sort of like stepping into her, um, life. Uh, we talk about her meditation practice. Um, we talk about a lot of things, actually. It's kind of hard to list them all because we just get lost in conversation and it was very, enjoyable to talk to Bianca. It was very refreshing. I haven't done an episode on anything LGBTQ yet and I really have been wanting to because as a bisexual woman myself, I think there's a lot to be said about the LGBTQ community and also just the myths around bisexuality as well, which we talk about in this episode you know, just because you're married to a man or just because you're married to a woman, whatever you decide to choose, that does not take away from your identity and your sexuality as bisexual. So, um, I'm super, super excited for all my gays, days, queens, uh, non-binaries, whoever you might be. I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Um, please write any feedback that you have about this episode anywhere on my socials or leave a review as well. Um, I'm always, always open to hearing feedback from you guys. I'm just like also curious to know what you guys think about some of these episodes and like it helps me to know what you guys like so I can sort of keep doing those things so that I'm not just making episodes that nobody likes. <laughs> uh, alas. Um, make sure you subscribe and stay tuned every Friday for new episodes. Please subscribe to the Patreon as well. I'm really trying to build the Patreon because there's a lot of really good content on there that I feel like is getting slept on and no one is listening to. So I have a clip from this episode, a video clip on the Patreon as well. And yeah, that's it. I hope you guys enjoy. You guys, when I think about the fact that I used to get in my car um, and drive to therapy as a depressed and anxious girl, I honestly cannot believe it. Like the irony that people who suffer from depression have to will themselves to get out of bed and then battle with parking and traffic and waiting rooms only to talk to their therapist for an hour, not to mention the emotional roller coaster of health insurance. Um, I'm over it. Why don't we make mental health easier and more accessible? Well, there is someone who does that and that's better help. Thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 
25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. So to get started, just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. Um, And you can always switch therapists. If you don't feel like your therapist is a match, that's okay. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. I can't tell you how easy this is. To get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, go to betterhelp.com forward slash only alchemy. That's better com slash only alchemy. Hi, Bianca. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing so good. Guys, this is Bianca. She is a podcast host for the Dear Bianca podcast, which I will be on later this year. Super excited about that. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you virtually, whether you're (laughs) looking at me or listening to my voice. It's so nice to meet you. And Rebecca, thank you so much for having me on your show. Of course. So Bianca and I were talking briefly just before we hopped on about what we wanted to talk about and everything really came back to our involvement and our journeys in the LGBTQ community and how we've navigated that throughout our lives. (laughs) Um, So do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of like where that journey started for you? Yeah, sure. I always felt like I knew I was not straight. (laughs) Honestly, like the earliest memory that I have is when I was in second grade. Mm -hmm. I remember like thinking that my second grade teacher was really hot. Like that's not fucking normal. I'm sorry. When you're that young, was she? When you look back, hot. Yeah, she was hot. Her name was Miss Director. And really, like a legal name. Legal name. Wow, that was her name, and she was hot. And I like. I always found myself not getting nervous around her, but like kind of getting nervous. Like it just, it was just different than what I felt my classmates felt towards her. And when you're that young, I feel like you don't really, your thought thoughts come to mind, but you don't really act on them or you like make nothing of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, you know, continue to be a kid. And then as I got older, I would say starting in like middle school and then high school, that's when you know, I put those thoughts into action a little bit. So. How did they come into action when you were older? Did, was there like a point? Because I feel like, especially in like movies and things, this gets depicted where there's like a point where you have this like epiphany or like an aha moment and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm gay. And it's like, it just doesn't, for me, some people, yes, but for me, it was not like that at all. Did you have that moment? Yeah. Um, I want to say yes and no. I think I am very straight presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was always, even like for till this day, it's hard for my sexuality to speak for itself. 
without me saying a word. Like I verbally have to tell someone I'm gay for Mm -hmm. it to like be a thing. Um, So back then, I think I was still just very much trying to live a hetero life with a little bit of a dabble in exploring this interest that I had or this curiosity that I had. Mm -hmm. And it was really, I would say, in high school when I first like made out with a girl. Um, And the girls that I would make out with were not straight presenting. Like I knew they were lesbians Mm -hmm. because that was the easiest thing to go for, I guess. And like you knew that, like I knew that if I flirted with them or showed interest in them that they may be interested back in me. At that point, I didn't have the confidence to like go try and hook up with a straight girl or like really voice that I was curious at all. So I kind of had to take what I could get. And then um, the more that I physically experienced women, it all just felt so right to me. And the Mm -hmm. more that I experienced being with a man, the more disconnected I felt from that moment. Was your high school very accepting? Because I know, well, I grew up in Australia, so it's very different there, but nobody was openly out at all. I still, for to this day, I don't even know who ended up gay in my year. (laughs) I, I struggle to like recall one person's name. Um, well, first of all, I didn't know that you were from Australia. Your accent is really hot. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in regards to people being accepting in my high school, I think not many people were out and proud. Mm-hmm. I would say I think it was still a time in society where things were. It was in the very early stages of things becoming flexible. Mm -hmm. or people becoming more open-minded. Like it was the very, very early stages. Um, So I would say that if I were to come out as gay back then, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I would get a few, you know, weird looks or have just, you know, weird experiences. Um, But I know now, like that high school now, for example, people are just doing whatever the hell they want. Like... It's, it's very accepting now, which is nice to see. Yeah. All I ever wanted when I was a kid was to go to an American high school. That was like the only thing I ever wanted, <laughs> which sounds so silly, but like we watch all American TV in Australia. Like that's all we see. There's Australian shows too, but it's predominantly American and I was like, their high schools look so cool. Like you guys wear your own clothes and it's boys and girls. And I was going to an all girls school with very strict uniform policies. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I also make that joke too. I'm like, what do my parents expect sending me to an all female (laughs) school? Yeah. I love those. (laughs) But I don't think anybody dared to like push that boundary whilst they were at school unless I was just oblivious, but I don't think I was, but it's, 
so nice and refreshing to see that schools now are being a little bit more accepting and open from like a young age. Yeah. I feel like, especially with how social media has expanded over the past decade, I want to say, like there is so much education out there and it's probably a blessing and a curse at the same time for these kids growing up because there's a part of it where you want a child to develop organically and Mm -hmm. you want them to make, you want them to be whoever they want to be without pressure or input from the outside world. But then there's this other part where there is so much education out there. There are, there is so much open-mindedness and I think the younger generation is exploring like heterosexuality is not the end all be all. Like Mm -hmm. there is an opportunity to experience something else. And at the end of the day, like everyone should reside with whatever they feel more comfortable with, but just having the option there and knowing that society won't turn you away most likely. Um, <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Do you find it might not be so much nowadays because things have changed so much. Um, but when you're in a relationship with a female and you're out in public, do you still feel after how many years it is since you've come out, do you still feel that like external judgment or like eyes on you from other people? I know you live, you live in New York, right? Yeah. So it's probably a different environment, but (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, um, I feel like if you're going to be out and proud anywhere, like New York is the place to be truly actually. (laughs) But at the same time, I would say there's this underlying energy that is just constantly there when you want to be affectionate with your partner in public as simple as holding hands, walking down the street, you know, there's people that are going to take a double take. Um, thankfully knock on wood, (laughs) I've never had any like harsh remarks made towards me, any like physical altercations or anything like that. But you know, there's still always that, like I said, underlying energy of, people pointing out that it's not the norm. Mm-hmm. Like, I am standing out from the rest of society. Um, and I think it just comes with, it's, it's the price you pay almost for being different. And I mm-hmm. don't like to look at it as a terrible thing all the time. Um, it is fucking annoying. Am I allowed to curse on here? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, so again, it's, you know, it's fucking annoying sometimes. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like the more comfortable that I become with my sexuality, the less I give a shit about mm-hmm. anyone else's opinions. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the main, the huge difference that as having a bi perspective gives is that difference of like the double takes, like 
the times that I've dated women and like the, the way that other people can make you feel so uncomfortable in doing something that's just so normal and natural is holding someone else's hand. And then it's like, I don't know, it's for some reason such a shocking thing for so many people and it's not it they almost treat it like you're just having sex on the floor like in public <laughs> like some people kind of reactions I, yeah <laughs> it's true though it's like or um or you can tell that's kind of where their mind might be going really quick you know right. and that difference of like those times where i've where i've been in that experience and then versus being with a man and just feeling like not invisible, but almost invisible in public, just like doing your own thing, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I think it also depends who I'm around. Like there are certain situations where, like I said, I do feel comfortable just being out and proud. Don't give a shit who's around. But then like naturally I'm in scenarios where I may be around people of an older generation, right? Like mm -hmm. a much older generation. And I just need to be mindful that what they experienced in society growing up is very different mm -hmm. than what I have experienced in society growing up. And I am out and proud and I'm happy to, you know, educate and share my experiences with the world. But I also, like I said, need to be mindful of who's around me because I'm not going to shove my opinions and my perspectives down your throat. Mm -hmm. Like I just want to coexist and look at each other as human beings, not what our sexualities are. So that's, that's been very important to me is just human being to human being. Yeah. If only everybody had that perspective. <laughs> right. It's In something life. you have to train your mind to do. Yeah, exactly. I think, well, generationally, I, I'm so curious. Like, this is one of my things that I like to talk about as well. Is like, I'm so curious to see when I'm, like, for example, like my parents' age, to see what's, like, died out with generations older than us. And mm -hmm. how that like fresh new energies come through with people like finally understanding things that we've been like trying to get older generations to understand for so long that it's just like, oh, we don't have to do that anymore because they're no longer with us. As like morbid as that might sound, um, I get excited about that like fresh cycle starting again. No, totally. And I'm, I'm sure that when we're older, like when we're that older generation, there's going to be like new shit coming out, right? Mm -hmm. Where yeah. they may be, the younger generation may be uncomfortable around us for some reason. And we mm -hmm. may see whatever they're trying to progress as taboo. So it, I think it's just the cycle of life, to be honest, or the circle of life. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know. That's definitely a fear as well as me being like that old person of like, I don't understand why you kids do this stuff, you know, whatever it might be. I think just show them your Tumblr and they may. <laughs> when I was your age. <laughs> exactly. This is what 
I was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what were your parents like when you actually did tell them, like when you came out? So there was a point, it was my summer going into my freshman year at college. Mm -hmm. And I was away with my family in Italy. Um, we were out to dinner and the topic of therapy came up. I don't know how, I don't know why. And I made the comment of, I can't wait to get back home so I can go to my therapist. And my mom was like, why are you so excited to go to your therapist? <laughs> and in my mind, I said that as in like, I can't wait to get back home and have the conversation with my therapist of, can you help me come out to my family? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel confident in who I am now. I feel confident in my sexuality. I know what I want. I just need that support to come out to my parents because I knew it was going to be a bumpy ride. Um, and so from that comment that I made to my mom, she didn't let it go. That whole, <laughs> that whole night we get back to the house in Italy and she's like, I need to know why you want to go to speak to your therapist so bad. And if you don't tell me like, we're fucking leaving tomorrow. Like, I don't like, I need to know if there's something wrong with you. Like she was concerned mm -hmm. and she basically just got it out of me. Um, I broke down crying because, like I said, I knew it was going to be a bumpy ride ahead. Mm -hmm. um, where they stood, you know, what they supported, um, and, like, this vision of life that they had for me that I was now no longer going to fulfill. And I, you know, told them that I'm gay. And that was the beginning of a very long shit show um, mm. that I kind of went through. I'm sorry. It was a shit show. Um, that's... Listen, it's all good. We're here. 2023. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But when your parents have that very, very rigid expectation of what you are going to become and what who you're going to be, that is so hard to break and like you really feel like you're just smashing their everything into pieces and um so once you told her what was her like initial was she like oh it's a phase what was her reaction of course i think she was in shock um i think she pulled the whole it's like are you sure this is just a phase who else knows this about you? Um, I think she was still leaning towards the side of I'm too young to make a big decision like this. Um, and so I think she was in denial very mm -hmm. much had a huge sense of denial for a very long time. Uh, so it was just a long journey of, difficulties, oh, I would say over the next almost decade. And it's just been recently, I would say over the past three or four years where she has realized 
I'm not going to change. You know, this is who I am. And I have tried to approach the situation by having her again, look at me as just a human being. Like I'm your daughter. I am not changing. I am still successful in many ways. I still have a very kind, loving soul. I'm still here for you, however you need to be. The only difference is, is who I sleep with at nighttime, right? Like it's, and I think after years of mental and emotional training and kind of at the same time having to force this down her throat a little bit, um, you know, she cracked (laughs) and she now deals with the situation in the best way that she can. And I know it's not ideal for her, but she has accepted it, has accepted it a lot more than I had thought she would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, is it, are you sure it's a phase or are you sure it's not a phase that comment? Um, I feel like so many people receive that. I know I definitely did. And I think, I mean, did they see you with any other relationships? Like, did you ever have any relationships with men? And then that was kind of like coming out of left field or? Yeah, those are pretty much her exact words. (laughs) Um, It was, so I never really had a long-term relationship with a man ever in my life. Uh, In middle school, I would, you know, casually date someone. And then when it got to high school, they called it like hooking up with someone, right? Like who was I hanging out with on Friday and Saturday nights at the movies and then like going to make out with them by the water. Like it wasn't anything significant um, Mm -hmm. when it came to a relationship with men, but she did see me and my family in general did see me having more of like intimate energy with males. And then when I, you know, this all came out about the fact that I was gay, they're like, where the fuck Mm. did this happen? Like, when did it start? How young did you feel this way? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I think it was a shift and I don't like to be selfish with that because your parents also see you one way growing up your whole life and then you Mm -hmm. throw something out there it's like I can't expect my parents to process shit as fast as I want them to so Mm -hmm. it needs to be a balance I think yeah especially because it's like obviously not news to you coming out but it's also been years of processing for you that you're expecting them to get in like 30 seconds of telling them so exactly yes yeah, it does it does take a minute. I had three significant boyfriends before I had broken the news to my I actually came out to my auntie first, not my parents, because I thought she would be more understanding. <laughs> which she was. She was, absolutely. But um How yeah. old were you when you came out to her? Oh my God. Um, I would have been, was I 20 or 21? Somewhere around there. Okay. I think 21. So young, but not super, super young. 
Yes, right. Yeah. Um, but still young too, I guess, have had three like boyfriends that my family had met, <laughs> seen and gone. Right. Um, and they, I guess, had met other girls. They just didn't know mm. that relationship. They were just like, oh, it's just her friend and whatever. And I'm just right. like, you have no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess, again, to them, they're like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Um, you almost have to pick and choose your battles <laughs> because I think a lot of times, especially when you're younger, you look at your family for validation on so many things mm-hmm. and you look for their support on so many things. But as you get older and like I've said, as you become more comfortable with yourself, you also start to live your life more independently mm-hmm. and as you should. Like I don't need to now look at my family for validation or support. It's more of a nice to have rather than a need to have. We can't expect them to understand everything Mm -hmm. that we feel, especially if they're not bi or they're not gay. They're looking at life through not only a different lens of experience, but also preference. So, yeah. I I, it's funny because for me, especially if I had a daughter, I would almost be like relieved if she was like dating women <laughs> instead of men. I'd be like, oh, thank God. You know? Don't be too soon. I don't know. It's a shit show in the lesbian world right now. <laughs> I know, but at least I don't have to worry about so many other things that have been... I know it sounds pretty weird and messed up to say, but I don't have to worry about her like getting knocked up or pregnant or... <laughs> You know, we're already getting taken, our rights away taken from us. So I think about it. I was thinking about it the other day too. I'm like, I love children and I love babies, but I'm like, it's just a scary, scary freaking world. Mm -hmm. So you got to think about it. Yeah. Where are you standing for babies? Do you want to have your own babies or? I would love to have my own baby solely based off the fact that I think the body of a woman is pretty fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do like just experiencing that whole journey, I think would be absolutely incredible. I really think it would be amazing, but I'm, I'm open I really am open. So I haven't made a decision yet or feel strongly one way or another, but I really do just think that entire, the entire capability of what a woman's body can do is actually mind blowing when you look into it and think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's, it's kind of not so, um, I don't really talk about it a lot on here, but I did fall pregnant in a couple years ago and my whole perspective on my body like my everything completely changed who I am as a woman what kind of like mother I want to become like all of these questions that I'd never really like fully considered before because the reality wasn't that real it was mm-hmm 
crazy to me. And I was just like newfound respect for, for my body, just really being able to do that. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy when you think about it. Like I've come across random, (laughs) so dumb, like even a TikTok, like a national geographic TikTok that explains all of it in 30 seconds. It's like you get captivated by the visuals that they show and just your mind gets lost and holy shit, like it doesn't even feel real. Um, It's pretty amazing. But yeah, one day, one day we'll get there. Right now it's, you know, (laughs) Dear Bianca podcast and uh, (laughs) that's your baby. Everything else. Yeah. My dog. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, dogs are I think you have, I almost think you should have a dog before you have a baby. Like you need to have some kind of like practice of some kind. Responsibility having- for yes, another being- living, breathing thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I can't even imagine like, obviously I'm not comparing having a dog to giving birth to a baby. <laughs> and I know it's completely different, but I have two dogs and just knowing how much put is put into them, you know, you, you have to be ready to have a full human life. They never grow up, you know, they constantly mm-hmm. need to be taken out, constantly need to be fed, you know, whether they're six months old or <laughs> 10 years old. It's like it, it, the responsibility is just, it doesn't change. Um, but it's, it's amazing. I, I'm obsessed with my dog. So, yeah, that's so true. They never grow up. Like you can teach them as much you as much as you want, but they're never gonna be able to like get their paw and like open the front door to take themselves for a walk. Literally. Like it's just not yeah. gonna happen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, shifting gears really quick. You mentioned to me prior to jumping on the call that you did two years, remind me what it was, meditation. Yeah, I, yeah, I um, practiced two years at a intensive meditation center. Okay. Um, and high level, it just absolutely rewired the chemistry of my brain, my soul, my, my everything. Um, and I'm happy to get into whatever kind of detail you want, but that's kind of the high level part of just, I was Mm -hmm. a part of it and it changed my life. When you say intensive, was that something where you would stay like in a facility like overnight or was it like something you visited? It was something I visited every day for two years straight. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, um, I would go maybe a half an hour at most. And the time that I was actually meditating was probably five minutes because I okay. could not get myself to freaking sit there for <laughs> as long as I should have been. <laughs> like it, it really is such a difficult practice. Just the thought of, you know, sitting there in silence with your thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. but at the end of the two years, I was there for five, six, seven, eight hours at a time. Wow. Um, and it was pretty amazing. But at that point in my life, it was the outlet that I needed to 
sounds dramatic, but saved my life in many mm-hmm. ways. Not so, dramatic. Um, yeah, it was something that I threw myself into as kind of like a last resort before I probably had to go visit a psychiatrist for like meds. And I, I didn't want to do that. Like I knew that I could heal myself from within. So that was my attempt at doing that. I like applaud you so much just for even trying to do that because that is so difficult. And, um, I like, especially on this podcast, but just in general, have spoken to so many people who have done really hard, difficult, like meditation practices, whether it's like to reach a different level of spirituality or if it's like a mental health uh, reason, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, everyone says the same thing, which is like, it's freaking hard to like, you know, six hours is a long time. Like the most that I've ever done it, it would probably be like an hour and a half. And I was really pushing myself to do that. Yeah. So <laughs> no, it's, it's very hard. It's um, a trained mental practice, you know? Um, mm-hmm. What do you do if you need to go to the bathroom in like hour two? Oh, you don't. So it's very, um, and I can only speak for the meditation center that I was a part of. Like, I know that there are several different practices, many different centers that, you know, vary in practice, but, um, very casual, you know, like if I wanted to meditate for 20 minutes, get up, go to the kitchen there, you know, make some lunch, hang out, like bullshit for a little bit, go to the bathroom and then, you know, come back and I would meditate for another hour or two, do the same thing, get out, take a break, Um, and you kind of just go in and out. Like they had all day meditations where you could stay there from 7am till 11 o'clock at night if you wanted to. Um, but you kind of come and go however you please. It's not a, um, like a forceful practice or a required practice. You know, when you're in that room and you are meditating, you want to be as present in that meditation state as you can be. And if you're just not into it that day, like you don't force yourself to be there. You know, you could take a break mm-hmm. or you can come back. Are they guided meditations or is it kind of just you left to your own devices? Um, so they basically called it active meditation um, in a sense where the meditation I was a part of had seven different levels Mm-hmm. I believe I, I stopped practicing there a few years ago, but, um, there were seven different levels and each level was like a different theme or essentially like a different focus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, level one, for example, was just throwing away like your earliest childhood memories, I would say. So okay. if Easy. You were, <laughs> yeah. Like if you were to go back to the earliest childhood memory that you had and you would walk through your entire life up until where you are in that moment and you take yourself through a journey and you kind of just throw away all of your attachments mentally. The way they described it is your mind is like a camera Mm -hmm. and as you go throughout your life, your mind is taking snapshots of everything, right? But we're never doing anything 
to discard of those memories, discard of those emotions and those attachments. And the way to do that is through meditation practice. And so by practicing, you're getting rid of all of this shit that has been stuck within you for so long. Um, and you just live a life of being free and practicing a non-attached lifestyle. Yeah. I love that. How much do you practice now? Like on a daily basis? Um, so I say I would prop now I practice once or twice a week. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's more. Um, I finally got to a place where I genuinely feel like I'm living a life of balance. Mm -hmm. And so at the same time, I also know what my boundaries are. I know what my capacity is mentally and emotionally. And some weeks are busier than others. And if I feel very stressed out and very like just not present in the moment, mm -hmm. I recognize that I have to take a step back and I have to be selfish and love myself and take time for myself and reset. So, mm -hmm. you know, I will then meditate and I'll meditate for 20 minutes or an hour or two hours. It just depends how much time I have, but yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when you said that, I was like, we probably meditate the same amount, but you just do it in like a longer sitting per week. Like I will have to do 10 minutes a day. Like I just, I just can't not, it's like brushing my teeth. I just feel by the end of the day, so overstimulated that I just have yeah. to sit in silence for at least 10 minutes and just let my mind like sort itself out and then I can just come back. But yeah, it's like whatever way works for you really. If like you yeah. sitting for an hour, two hours, once or twice a week works better than I guess what would accumulate to like an hour plus for me in like little sittings. Yeah. Whatever works for you. And I think that's amazing that you make it a point to do that every day. It mm -hmm. really over time changes your life. Meditation is one of those things that when people start it, including myself, I wanted to have a quick fix. Like when I first started meditation, it was the deepest, darkest part of my life. And it was a place that I did not want to be anymore. Like I just did not want to live like that mentally or emotionally. It was, I was a fucking hot mess. And so when I first started, I would cry to the people there and I didn't even know why I was crying. Um, and I wanted to just stop having terrible thoughts and get to a place of clarity and balance and all they kept saying was just keep coming back, keep coming back. It, and it's true. The, the benefits of meditation um, are long-term benefits. Mm -hmm. The more you practice, the more balance you have later in life. And I owe my life to that practice, honestly. So I highly recommend meditating for as little or as long as you want. Yeah, I'm curious, what made you choose that as your like method to getting to the place like in your healing journey that you wanted to get to rather than going the, I guess, more common route of, you know, like we were saying, a psychiatrist or 
I'm never against going to a psychiatrist, but I'm always like, if there's a way around some, like an alternative method, I'm always curious to know what that may be. So what was your choice in that like decision? Totally. Well, I always thought of myself as a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. I always knew my mind and my soul were different than almost everyone around me. Yeah. First and foremost. <laughs> like, Join the club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I'm talking to anyone, you would know. Um, so I always felt that. Um, and I feel like I'm an empath or I, I should say, I know I am an empath and I grew up with no one as an empath around me. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of emotional and mental development on my own, I would say. But um, there was one specific night where I just had a breakdown. I was dealing with a lot of darkness for weeks and uncertainty and not knowing exactly what I should do. And I did start reaching out to psychiatrists um, because I really felt like that may have to be the route. Um, and one night of that, that breakdown night, um, my cousin ended up coming over with his girlfriend and I knew that she was very spiritual. And mm -hmm. although I knew I was spiritual, I wasn't practicing anything. Um, uh, but I knew she was. And so I said to her, I said, Krista, I feel like I need to do yoga or something. And mm -hmm. she was like, yoga's great, but it's not going to change your life. Meditation will. And I was mm. like, you really think so? And she's like, I know so. So she was actually the one who was going to this meditation center. And I was so desperate that the next morning I got up and went to that meditation center and I never looked back. And it was her words of just saying meditation will change your life. And I needed to change my life like point blank. Um, and I was so dedicated to that because I really wanted to avoid going on any type of medication. I knew like, I genuinely believe that we all have the power within us to heal ourselves. You know, it just takes a lot of time and, and effort. But um, like you said, I'm not against anything. Um, mm -hmm. But highly recommend trying that route because it really is beautiful and you'll be very proud of yourself. Yeah, definitely. I always encourage people to try, at least to try it. Cause I know for me, like when people hear that I meditate every day, it's like sometimes a little bit like, unless they're in the spiritual community, of course, and that's not normal. And that's like a normal thing to say, but other general people are like, oh, wow, like that's commitment. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand. Cause when I was, however many years ago, not meditating, and I, I could never have imagined myself doing this. Like I could never have imagined myself sitting in silence for even two minutes. Like that yeah. whole concept to me was like crazy. And, um, similar to you, I only started doing it because I was nothing else that was working and I had to do something and it was like free and accessible and, you know, yeah. So that was like the main thing that actually sparked my spiritual awakening was meditation. Um, which is like a, a whole thing 
in itself on the side of that. Um, but the meditation practice, I just encourage people to try it because it almost becomes addicting in a way like you need it. Yep. And in the best possible way. Yeah. I think the way I try to explain it to people these days as well is each human being only has so much capacity within themselves, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of our days we're giving so much of our energy to work relationships, strangers, Mm -hmm. and just like we're giving out our energy, we're consuming so much fucking energy, right? We're consuming crappy energy, like I said, from work. It could be we're consuming our partner's energy. Um, I could have a conversation with a stranger and if I just like, if it rubs me the wrong way, like it could ruin my day. Mm -hmm. Um, Social media, people these days spend so much time on social media. Again, that is just consuming, consuming, consuming like pointless energy and giving your mind so much clutter that doesn't need to be there. And so out of all of this chaos, what are you doing for yourself? Mm -hmm. When are you giving yourself energy? mental and emotional energy. People can say, oh, I go to the gym and that could be very mental and emotional, but there's nothing like a yoga, I would say, or meditation practice to truly feed yourself that beautiful energy that you need to restore. Yeah. And you're still doing something. I mean, the whole point of like yoga in itself, I feel like people are doing it wrong because (laughs) most of the purpose of it is the meditation at the end and like the yoga practice is supposed to like prepare you and prime you for that meditation and people like rush to yoga classes and do yoga I'm not saying not doing yoga at all would be better but like you're rushing to a class and then you're rushing home like the precious like moments after the class where that's like the good stuff of like that's the meditation part that's what you're missing and if you're in the gym, it's kind of similar. Like if you go to the gym and then meditate, or if you work out and then meditate, you'll have such a massive, like different experience if you didn't do that. But I mean, there's lots of meditation, uh, lots of exercises that can be meditative, but like, it's really about being still like really forcing yourself to not move at all. And like, you know, that's where that's where the magic happens. Yeah. I'll say too, and I can't stress it enough, the energy of the world these days, I think heavily because of social media, mm-hmm. is so materialistic. And when I say materialistic, I don't mean like purses and bags. I mean, truly the energy of the world, the conversations people are having, a lot of the relationships people are having are materialistic in a sense where you are not growing as Mm. human beings. You are constantly looking to take the next picture, editing the next picture, putting on a show for the world that at the end of the day, like no one actually even gives a shit about. Like no (laughs) one gives a shit about you or your relationship more than you. And you have to be so selective with what type of energy you want to let into like your bubble. Mm 
And it's important to have that bubble. So however you get there, just, just do it. Yeah, I know. I always say like, if I didn't work in social media, like if social media wasn't like where I made my money, I would probably not be on it. Like, as I mentioned before, I'm going to be on your podcast later this year. Yeah, um, so excited. Can you tell us? I know. I I wish we could organize the time closer. I was like, oh my gosh, the anticipation. I know, I know. It's been so crazy, like a good crazy in a sense that I have so many episodes scheduled and at the same time I'm trying to like have a life of my own. Mm-hmm. So now we're looking into like August, which is insane, but yeah. We ha- we have good energy. I think it'll be an amazing episode whether it was tomorrow <laughs> or six months from now. <laughs> True. I'll have a lot more to say in six months, I think, <laughs> anyway. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about like why you started it and where it's going? Sure. Yeah. I have been wanting to start a podcast since the beginning of COVID. And mm-hmm. at first I was going to do it with like two friends that I had in mind, but just because of their careers and their schedules, they weren't able to commit. And so I kind of let it go, um, let the whole idea go. And then recently, a few months ago, I was like, you know what? It just sounds like this would be the best of both worlds for me. The first is that I absolutely love connecting with people. Like I just naturally get lost in conversations with people Mm -hmm. and I it's amazing. Um, so that's first and foremost why I wanted to do it. But secondly, there is a sense of creativity behind it as well. So like, you know, you have to, there's writing behind it. There is like thought and creativity in writing up your agenda and editing and all of that and being able to be creative on how you promote it. So combining all of that, it's just like the perfect opportunity that I saw. And so started doing it by myself. And, you know, a few months later, we're growing pretty quickly. So it's been exciting. Yeah. It's especially when you start it from like nothing, you really have to learn, like, like you're saying the editing and the writing and like, it's multifaceted it's every single part of it you're like a jack of all trades trying to like figure out all of the technical stuff as well and like I think people don't realize how much goes into just like one episode Mm -hmm. it's a lot it's it takes a lot of energy out of me especially like the 48 hours leading up to an episode releasing because you want to release at the same time every time to ensure, you know, mm-hmm. your follower base is anticipating another episode. And so that, that you need, need to make sure the editing is done. You need to make sure that you have like your social promotions lined up and ready to go. It's a pain in the ass, but it's all with the, with a good intent of changing the world little by little with the conversations that we speak about. Exactly. That's if you can just keep your eye on like why you're doing it, that can kind of help you stay on track. Totally. Um, so where can people find you? 
Yeah. So I am on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I feel like those are the two main platforms that people listen to uh, podcasts. So I'm on there. I would say the content that you're going to get from my podcast is like call her daddy, but for the gay community. <laughs> pretty I love much. that. Yes. Yeah. It's sex, love, life, relationships, like really no boundaries. There are some episodes that are like fun and wild, but then there's also episodes where we get intimate and deep. So you, you get a nice balance overall. Um, but a lot of my promotion, most of my promotion for the episodes are on my TikTok. Um, and the handle for that is at Dear Bianca Podcast. And mm-hmm. the same handle is on Instagram as well. So, yay, amazing. I'm so, so excited 